Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives! What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. Wow, that Field of Dreams entrance was really cool. Pretty, pretty cool. And I only just saw that movie for the first time like a year ago. Really? Yeah. Took you that long. Have you seen For the Love of the Game? Uh, no. You got to start getting in on uh, some of these Costner baseball movies, man. I, I like Costner, but I usually don't like baseball in general. Uh, so that's kind of gotten me to shy away. Uh, I loved Moneyball. That's like hardly a baseball movie. Yeah, that's more about math. <laughs> and it's not a Costner it's, movie. Is Moneyball more of a math movie than it is a baseball movie? I think I think probably. They, um, they even say that in Moneyball. Yeah. Did, doesn't Jonah Hill at some point say uh, people look at baseball all, all wrong? They look at acquiring players when really the goal is should just be to acquire runs. Right. So they're taking the human element out of it. Um, Bad News Bears, I've seen, uh, Angels in the Outfield, Mr. 3000. All good movies. Major League. One of the best sports movies ever is yeah. Major League. But Feel, Feel the Dreams, I just got to like a year ago. It was good. Very good. I can see why it's a classic sports movie. Mm. And this was a great idea by Major League Baseball. And the entrance, if you didn't see it, the White Sox and the Yankees. I mean, if you know the movie, you know what they did. They walked out of the cornfields, like into into the stadium. the stadium. So cool with Kevin Costner, like looking at them from like home plate. That was the, just the 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 camera action on that was just incredible. And I love that they're wearing the old school jerseys. So hey, a non baseball fan is tuned in and enjoying the the pregame here, which means that Major League Baseball did something right. I think because you need a lot of that in today's uh, today's sport. I hope it becomes an annual thing. Kind of like the Winter Classic? Yeah, except I don't need... Well, like, I, I'm not seeing this... Four outdoor... I don't need four games yeah. a year at the Field of Dreams, you know. Hockey, it's way oversaturated. Yes. Completely agree. Yeah. Um, but you kind of like that natural landscape backdrop 
that's kind of what hockey did with Lake Tahoe last year, and they're thinking about doing it again at oh, what's the name of the 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 lake Lake Louise in Alberta? Is that the name of it? Whatever. Titicaca. Is that a real thing? Yeah. Okay. It's in South America. I didn't know that. I don't think they're playing there, but I just had to say it. Okay. Um, uh, Fever Pitch, by the way. Another baseball movie that I've seen way back when. Um, 803-0550 is the phone number. Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney just under 24 hours away from the Bills preseason opener against the Lions tomorrow. Months of buildup to a game that will be wanting to be over probably by halftime. Uh, if you are still watching it at that point, or if you're like me when you kind of have to watch it because you're going to be doing postgame. Uh, that's not a complaint. It's just a reality that that's kind of the nature of the preseason. We're like, oh, cool, preseason. And then halfway through, we're kind of tuned out. Now, more players today are not, it's been announced, are not playing in the preseason. Justin Herbert is not playing for the Chargers. Speaking of the Chargers, Austin Eckler is not going to play the preseason, any of the preseason for those two, not even just the opener. Daniel Jones of the Giants is not going to play in the opener. Um, Ben Roethlisberger, that's less of a surprise because he's older and maybe still kind of out of shape. Uh, He's not going to play tonight against the Eagles. You've got the Patriots and Washington as well as Pittsburgh and Philadelphia in about 15 minutes. You had Allen yesterday not being announced. He's not going to play in the preseason opener. Mayfield's not playing in the preseason opener. Matthew Stafford, like none of the Rams are doing it. The Matt Nagy never does it with his Bears starters. I think this is not just a a fad. Like this is going to become a regularity in the sport. And I don't know if you saw my tweet earlier about like what I kind of foresee the value of the preseason being in the future because I think you can have preseason football, even have it be interesting, but not have it be what it has been. In the past, I think in the past, what has the preseason been viewed as a dress rehearsal of sorts? It's getting your team ready, your starters even ready for the beginning of the regular season. But I think more and more teams are finding out, and especially this was, you know, this was sped along by there being no preseason last year. Teams are realizing my starters are not really getting anything out of this because they're going up against Manila defenses that aren't showing anything. We're not even running our normal offense. So what really are we doing? There's no value to it in terms of getting them ready for the regular season. All you're doing is risking injury. But I think the value the preseason could have is similar to what the NBA Summer League has. It's similar to what you see in hockey a lot of times, like the Sabres have their prospect challenge. Uh, during the offseason and during the preseason usually you get a much different looking Sabres roster than you get at the beginning of the year it's a lot more young guys it's guys that might be going back to junior hockey let alone the AHL level it's designed to see what you got let's see what we got in young players that are probably not going to see the field a lot in the regular season and are probably fighting for a roster spot on this team. It's almost like a development, a, a glorified development tournament for prospects. And in the NFL, you've got a bunch of those guys because you have a 53-man roster. Guys like Isaiah Hodgins, I think about it, wide receiver. Guy that's not, even if he makes the bills, he is not playing a lot this season. 
if if at all. He's just not going to play. So this is getting him reps and but giving him a increased opportunity to earn a roster spot because Josh Allen doesn't need these increased reps. Stephon Diggs does not need those reps in the preseason. Right. You know who will see value in those preseason reps? Guys like Isaiah Hodgins who are fighting and clawing for roster spots in the NFL and are trying to prove that they can have a long-term career in the league. Absolutely. And that's where I think the preseason should be headed. I agree. Um, 100% agree. And I think it would be more interesting. I think, like you stated, to start uh, to frame the preseason as a dress rehearsal for starters is like a wrong marketing move. What you should be focusing on in presenting the preseason is that this is a chance for the back end of your roster to make a case for themselves. And let's be honest, those roster players are the ones that have the most to gain and lose with the preseason like Stefan Diggs like you said nothing there's nothing he's going to learn or uh what is he going to accomplish right the right. the the cost benefit analysis of Stefan Diggs running routes in the preseason and taking hits in the preseason against guys who might be trying to win a roster spot mind you and I think that plays into it too I don't feel very comfortable playing starters against teams that are playing backups because the backups will look at these reps much differently. And if Stefan Diggs is going over the middle, he might have a very different mentality on that play than the cornerback number five on the roster that's trying to make the team. Mm-hmm. And so I agree with you. I think it should be more and more about it, and it's becoming that. The funny thing is, though, when you said Daniel Jones is going to be out for <laughs> the preseason game, my first thought was do the Giants have a better or worse chance of winning that preseason game with him out? They might have a better chance. <laughs> I think Mike Glennon is their backup quarterback. Did you see the Daniel Jones play today? Oh, it was brutal. He throws it yeah. to a oh, linebacker. It was so brutal. And like, I don't all know the fans what, was, what was going on there. Did you the, just no, watching I, that play? There's no, there's no one in sight. No one even close. Like within ten yards. I think he probably just thought the defending player was. A, a receiver. Oh my I guess that could have happened. He's I, wearing the I same guess. helmet. He's wearing the same helmet but as you. My goodness, the, the fan reaction made the whole video though. Yeah, that guy, he's doomed from the start. I uh, my my hot take on the Giants. Uh, not to get too off topic here, but I'm gonna anyway. Uh, one year from now, I think Bill Belichick will be running their organization, and I think Russell Wilson will be their quarterback. I thought you were I a believe huge more about fan. the first one than the second one. I oh don't get me wrong. <laughs> that man, I wish had a lifetime contract. He's with a the content machine. I love him. Every time he's talking, it is appointment television, appointment streaming, I guess, because that would never be on TV here. Um, but would I ever want him running my football team? Absolutely not. Um, but yeah, the Daniel Jones looked like abysmal today at practice so yeah it's a little weird maybe that he would be the one of the guys that's not playing around the league right you said josh allen matt stafford then it was like herbert yeah herbert justin or uh daniel Daniel jones Jones. oh my god brady's playing in the preseason for some reason huh so it's mahomes might be i don't think we know yet um there's a lot of those a lot of those where we we haven't found out yet i wonder if uh, i wonder if we'll see a little bit of allen if they get dawkins back I wonder if that was part of their decision to not play Allen was the fact that they didn't have their franchise left tackle going tomorrow. 
I hope that wasn't the only reason. I'm okay if that played into it and not have a rookie third rounder. Maybe like uh, a nail in the coffin in the decision. Yeah, maybe. Like if it, they were on the fence and they were like, ah, oh, Spencer Brown's going to be protecting his blind side. Right. Maybe we should make sure we're okay here and just not even have him suit up. Um, yeah, because Spencer Brown's going to be starting at left tackle tomorrow. Dawkins just activated off the COVID list today. Uh, I've got a fantasy take that I wrote about at our website. Let's hear it. I am all in on Gabriel Davis as the bill I would draft. I think, you know, like we, I, me especially, I am obsessive about fantasy football. I am in the deepest leagues you've ever heard of. I'm on a team with like a 32-person uh, roster. Like the benches are enormous. Matt Breida is owned in this league. Like every third-string running back in football is. But I do recognize that most fans are not in as nearly intense of leagues as that. And a lot of fans, why do they play fantasy football? They want another reason to root for players around the league. And they want a reason to root for guys on their own team. So many times, especially in Buffalo-based fantasy football leagues, you're going to have a large percentage of people that they're going to want a Buffalo Bill. And those guys are going to go higher because you want guys from your favorite team on your fantasy football team. And I recognize the value in having those guys because it makes it more fun for a lot of fans out there. But my thought process here is trying to get people to, while maybe like if you want to make sure you have a guy from your favorite team from the Bills, do it smartly. Don't draft Josh Allen in the first round. Don't draft Stephon Diggs third overall. I think the smart money for a bill right now is on Gabriel Davis. And for many leagues, he'd probably be going in the final couple of rounds. A late round flyer. If you're in a dynasty league, he's definitely owned. And if you're in a really deep league, he's definitely owned. But you're probably talking about like a 12th, 13th, 14th round ADP right now. He's going as wide receiver 65. That's 10 spots behind Cole Beasley. It's two spots ahead of Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think... and. Actually, before I even get into the wide receiver part of it, running back is not used in this offense. They don't throw it to him. They don't give it to him in the running game. They just, there's no volume not of carries. At the goal line. They don't give it to him at the goal line. Tight end does not get the ball in this offense. Maybe some of that has to do with Dawson Knox, right. the player, but also Josh Allen just throws the ball down the field so much that when you have a good slot wide receiver, the tight end can get phased out very easily. So... You have a high-volume passing offense that doesn't run it and that doesn't throw it to the running back and doesn't throw it to the tight end. Who is the second most valuable player on this offense, not including the quarterback? It's the wide receiver, too. And in two consecutive years, the Bills' number two wide receiver has had 100-plus targets. It's been Beasley both of those years. Brown was the number one in year one. He had 115 targets. And Beasley had 106 the first year he was here, 107 last year. That is easily enough for fantasy relevancy. But the problem with Cole Beasley is, because of his role and the type of wide receiver that he is, his ceiling is capped. He's never going to score enough touchdowns to be able to be a league winner type of wide receiver. And he's not going to have the big plays to do it either. He's going to kill you with volume. He's going to get you with the volume, and he's going to be consistent. So in those two years, Beasley's gone as like wide receiver 50-something, and he's killed it both years, well outperformed his ADP. 
He was wide receiver 27 two years ago, and he was wide receiver 21 last year. It's really good. That's a number three receiver. That's a flex-worthy guy on a week-to-week basis. And I think Emmanuel Sanders kind of presents the same type of ceiling. If you told me this year Emmanuel Sanders will be second on the team in targets, I think he probably ranks around the same as Beasley has the last couple of years. But especially for me, when I'm in the later rounds of my draft, I'm looking for guys that can carry me to championships, that can complete, like completely outperform their ADP. League winner types are usually top 20 to top 15. So even though... I think Beasley and even Sanders are probably more likely to be second on this team in targets than Gabriel Davis. Davis is the shot I'd take because last year he had the quality targets. He had the most deep targets on this team of 25-plus yards. He had the most deep receptions, by the way, so then it translated to actual success. He had the most end zone targets on this team. Josh Allen threw the ball to Gabriel Davis in the end zone 12 times. That was more than Devontae Adams. That's crazy. Like Devontae Adams, who's one of the touchdown kings of this league at wide receiver, Gabriel Davis was thrown to in the end zone more. More than Diggs as well, led the team. And no, the volume was not there. He only had 65 targets. I mean, he averaged like two catches a game. That's not a lot. And he doesn't have that doesn't have to go up. If he's going to come into the year as the wide receiver four and Sanders and Beasley look good, then maybe he just doesn't take another step forward and maybe he's relegated to the same type of role. And then it can get a little fluky because if I'm if you're relying on a low-volume wide receiver, it's touchdown or bust. And that's probably the floor for, for Davis. It's touchdown or bust because the volume would not be there. But if he takes a step forward as a player, a guy that can run deep, has a, the biggest body frame on the Bills for the, those top four wide receivers at 6'2", 220. And a guy that can play on the outside, unlike Cole Beasley, so he's well-versed. And because of the big play potential and the touchdowns, I think Davis is the guy. He has the most upside because if you told me he got 100 targets this year, He might be a top 15 wide receiver in football because he could end up with double-digit touchdowns. He could end up with 1,100 to 1,200 yards of receiving. And that might be only catching 60 of those 100 targets. But it's because of the types of routes he's running, the types of receptions that he's reeling in. He, Even though he had 45 less targets than Cole Beasley last year, he had more air yards. Air yards is essentially the amount of yards for both caught balls and incomplete targets. He had more air yards than Cole Beasley on 45 fewer targets. Yeah. What does that tell you? That if the target share even gets close, let alone Davis usurping Beasley or Sanders, then he's the guy that on a week-to-week basis can not just be flex-worthy, like I think you're getting with Beasley and Sanders at their best, but – you're putting him in every week as your number two wide receiver, maybe even your number one wide receiver. Do you think there's a chance Beasley and Sanders become redundant in the offense and may take away targets from each other? That's a good question because I think I think Sanders, if you look at the numbers, if I'm remembering this right, plays a much higher percentage in the slot than John Brown did. And Davis isn't going to do that a lot. So 
if you're going to want Sanders to run over the middle of the field, right, they're going to kind of eat into each other. I also wonder this. This is less of a fantasy point, but it does it does play into my Davis argument. Couldn't the Bills just not play Sanders and Beasley a lot this year because they, they want to save him for the playoffs? Like, I, I, not completely. I'm not saying they wouldn't play. But essentially, we don't have to play 34-year-old Emmanuel Sanders, who had an, eight, an Achilles injury two years ago, or 32-year-old Cole Beasley who had a broken leg last postseason. We don't need to kill him with 95% of the snaps week to week. We can Right, we can even have them kind of split roles in the slot. They can both play around, hover around that 60 to 70 percentage mark. And we throw Davis on the outside playing as much as he did when John Brown was injured last year, who's 22. And maybe we get more run out of him. We reserve the veterans, make sure they're fresh come playoff time. I think that could be a thought process the Bills have, maybe not right away. But if they start to realize, hey, man, like the AFC East, like this is ours. Right. Like, come on. Do we need Beasley to play every single snap right. to beat the Texans in week four? Yeah. Are we going to Jacksonville and right. having it? Yeah. Carolina week 15, which is right in the heart of the fantasy Atlanta, playoffs. Atlanta week 16, 17, right. whatever it that's, is. That's yeah. fantasy championship season. Like, right. Do we need Emmanuel Sanders to play even like 30 snaps in that game? Like, And at the same time, I don't think the Bills are thinking this. I'm the guy who's been sitting here saying, I want to see if Davis can be my number two wide receiver. So for that, I love the idea of him playing more snaps than those two veterans. So, But that plays into the fantasy perspective. Is If that does happen, that's only another reason to go for Davis. So he's the guy I'm targeting. I only ended up with him in two of my nine leagues. Um, one of them is a best ball league, which he's perfect for. Because at his floor, he is boomer bust week to week. Because he's running deep routes, because he's getting end zone targets, essentially... He could be a zero for you because he only gets one catch for 16 yards, or he could have a game like he had against the Jets, by the way, in week 17. He doesn't even need a game. He just needs a play where right. he could get do you 12 remember, points. Do you remember his stat line against the Jets? Because he caught the Matt Barkley touchdown. He had two catches for like 108 yards and a touchdown or something like that, right? Yeah, I'm double-checking that real quick. Week 17 against the Jets. Two catches for 107 yards. Oh, I was off by a yard. Off by a yard. But, like, that's that's Davis. And for that, like, if that's his floor, then at least in a best ball league, if you don't know what best ball is, it's basically it just puts automatically in your top scorers each week. Um, He'll always have value in a a league like that. For sure. And dynasty-wise... He could be their number two wide receiver easily going into next year. I think for so a, I, I just like Davis on I, all around. I love Davis in fantasy for right a now. standard draft. I think I'd still be more likely to take Beasley before Davis, though. Does it depend on your roster build? For sure, it does. I think okay. what intrigues me more about Beasley, and it's not really intriguing, but it's just the fact that he does have a very safe floor. You know, he's going to get his. He's going to get his targets, and he's going to get his catches, which in a PPR or even half PPR is important when you don't think Davis is going to get those targets. Yeah. 803-0550 is the phone number. We're talking about the Bills at wide receiver. Um, it's World Elephant Day, by the way. I have, I'm not kidding, I have written out my top eight fictional elephants in the most random power ranking that you've ever heard. If we have time for that, maybe we'll get to my top eight fictional elephants. I'm not even kidding. That is a list I'm staring at in front of me right now. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. 
All right, welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. I've got NFL Network on in here right now, and it looks like, are we already underway? About to be, it looks like. Uh, no, we are. That's I was a say, replay. I'm seeing Antonio Gibson run up the middle. Ugh. Preseason Why football. Why is he playing? I know. He had turf toe in the offseason. I have him in a bunch of fantasy teams. you got to be holding your Look breath right now. Oh. this guy, though. Oh, man. That was only three he, yards. I, it was the best three-yard run you've ever seen in your life. Though. Probably. <laughs> most meaningful, too. Um, The most interesting thing to watch tonight? Mac Jones. For me, is Mac Jones. Without question. Without question. We've already seen Jalen Hurts enough. Well, I mean, I want to see him in the regular you, season. You're right? higher on Mac Jones than I am. Yes. Probably than most. You were higher on Tua than I was. You're higher on Mac Jones. I was talked I into Mac Jones by Matt Waldman and Mark Schofield. They they were both big Mac Jones guys. They thought that the arm strength was being underrated because it was com- constantly being compared to the other guys in the draft class. Um also, man, look at Matthew Judon with the number nine. That's already weird. Does that look weird to you? It does look weird, but I love it. I think I like it too. Maybe I'll get used to it quick. But anyways, where was I? I don't remember what I was talking You were talking about. about Mac Jones, and you Mac said Jones. you were talked into him. Yeah, I think just his ability to throw with anticipation and underrated arm strength. Um, the accuracy is there. I usually fall for the guys with that pinpoint accuracy. I don't think he can be great. I would not have picked him because... To me, he does not possess that superstar potential. And if I'm drafting a guy anywhere in the first round, that guy needs to have that for me to pick him. But I think he can be a good quarterback. I think, you know, Kirk Cousins is very realistic for him. Derek Carr is very realistic for him. You know, Matt Ryan might be stretching it a little bit. That's probably the ultimate ceiling for him. I mean, Matt Ryan is elite. Well, has been a lead. Not anymore. He has been. Not, not even, right. And usually it's on and off with him. His peak was is elite. Yeah. I he mean, won, he won an MVP. Right. It's, it's always on and off with him, though, right? Like, he'll have a year or two where he was like that, and then he'd have a couple years where he'd kind of fade back. Um, I no, would but, be, uh, okay, I I'm would fine. be astounded if Mac Jones ever reached that level of, like, a peak Matt yeah. Ryan season. I think, I think he's destined for, like, that Garoppolo goff level of play where like if everything around him is good and the scheme is is bred to be able to have a a quarterback flourish then I think he can succeed but the moment he's asked to lift everything else up it all falls apart and it'll always be limited you'll always know there are greener pastures and eventually a couple years will go by maybe you'll have a great season maybe you'll make a Super Bowl like the Rams and the 49ers did and you're going to realize that your quarterback's kind of holding you back. Like, just because you went to a Super Bowl does not mean that he's what's driving the bus to get you there. And I Andy think that, Dalton. that could be New England. Andy Dalton is a good comparison for him, too. I, and Andy Dalton, like we, we know, that's tough on an organization. Right. Because he's good enough to get you to the playoffs, even win a division title or two. So, so am I high on Mac Jones? I guess. But I'm also not, I don't think, unrealistic. I think I'm higher than him on what he is right now. While I probably agree with most people on what his ceiling is. Okay. Because I think... So so what you're saying is if he came in right now, you'd actually I think he prefer should start over one. Cam Newton, and yes. you think the Patriots would be better for it. I think today, I believe today he's the second best quarterback in the division. Better than Trubisky? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, better than Trubisky. <laughs> now, I have not seen him play at the pro level. Right. So, you know, 
we'll see. What you, and then he would not me saying that I would not take him second. If if we had a, a AFC East redraft and we were picking what quarterback we're starting our franchise with, it's an easy one too for me. Josh it's Allen, then Josh Zach Allen, then a huge gap, then Zach Wilson, then a gap, then Mac Jones. Yeah, and Mac Jones and Tua would be like neck and neck. You you catch me on the wrong day, I might pick Tua. Do you put but, any credence yeah. into uh, training camp reports on rookie quarterbacks at all? Not really, not at all. So they've not been good for Wilson. Very bad. Now, so does it uh, wouldn't concern would if you were a Jets fan, would you be concerned? I would have been until I honestly I'm gullible. So if a guy gives me a good explanation for why it's happening, I'll believe him. Did you hear Zach Wilson yesterday? I did, and I actually I'm I'm glad we're talking about this because I thought it was a fantastic Taking care answer. Of the ball is, uh... Oop, that was actually me getting ready to play it, but we'll play it here anyway. Zach Wilson, this if you missed it, this was his comments yesterday about why he's throwing like a million interceptions in training camp. Taking care of the ball is 100% a quarterback's job. And one of my goals when I came out here uh, and I got drafted was just like, how can I adapt to this NFL game as quickly as I can? And I can't be afraid to make mistakes, especially in practice. You know, this isn't a game. This is where I'm learning what I can get away with and what I can't. And so, you know, there's times where, you know, maybe in a real game, I probably wouldn't throw that. But it's times where I'm like, well, let me try right here and see what I can get away with. And it's, you know, as we get closer to game, you have to start teaching yourself. You know, in that situation, you know what, CJ got a hand on it he made the play and so it's like okay well next time in that situation that same i'm gonna check the ball down and so uh that's what we practice for us to be able to play situations out like that that's wilson sounds like he's got his head on his shoulders he had a good reason for why uh what's been going on with him has been going on a training camp we know coming in he was raw anyway um but to me if you were starting over a franchise with any of these quarterbacks he'd be number two after allen just because the arm strength is there he's not the athlete josh allen are Oh, my you goodness. Are. Um, but, yeah, we take him second. Cam Newton's having a rough start, it looks Very like. Very rough start. Chase Young just obliterated him. After I missed the throw before, did he miss Jonu Smith open? He It was like a little screen pass-looking play that he – it looked terrible. All right, we're watching the second play back. Yeah, okay, so Chase oh, Young – just Is that Isaiah Wynn? It is Isaiah Wynn. Got – smoked by Chase by Chase Young. Oh, that guy is that rip move right he, there. Speaking of like kind of redraft conversations, like who you'd start your franchise with a quarterback, would he be number 1 among guys you'd start your franchise with as pass rusher? He yeah, for his age without question. Garrett was the other guy I thought of, but he's a little older. Yeah, I would with age with with ages young. With Young's age, I would start with him. But, yeah, Miles Garrett, still Aaron Donald, even though he's been in the league for a while. Right. I mean, Garrett's, if you're trying to win a Super Bowl right now, Aaron Donald is, is as good as you can do outside of the quarterback position. Garrett's 25, Young's 22, Donald's a little older than that, obviously. Um, all right, so we're off and running in the preseason. Cam Newton looks terrible, so that's good news for Bills fans. Maybe it's good news for Bills fans because, again, I think Jones is the better quarterback. So it's, the quicker he goes in. Uh, it's good for them. Um, in the Eagles game, by the way, it looks like Jalen Hurts is off to a good start. Some big throws to Dallas Goddard. Uh, Zach Ertz is playing for the Eagles. In fact, he's caught two passes on the first drive. Real quick, how do you like Goddard as a tight end this year in fantasy? I need Ertz to get out of there, right? Like, I need Ertz away. He's always going to eat into those targets over the middle of the field. I, if I want Goddard to be an elite fantasy tight end, uh, he's he's got to be by himself. So someone's got to trade for Ertz or else I don't really want any part of it. Uh, he's a great player, but he'll always be capped as long as Ertz is there. 
That's kind of how I see that. The same thing for me with Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry in New England. If you have a really good second tight end, I'd rather go for like Irv Smith right now in Minnesota. I think Dallas Goddard's a more polished player than Irv Smith. But Smith has nobody behind him. And he might be the number three option in that offense behind Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Like those are the guys I'm looking for. Who's got more opportunity and still has some talent rather than the uber talented tight end that just he he's got competition. Um we're done with the Ertz conversation, right? Please. Like, he's not going to I traded. hope so. He would have been traded 5 months ago if he was going to be traded. Unless they want is this a showcase? Are the Bills watching right now thinking, "Okay, he's got it. He's still got it." How about a deadline move? Does that seem like a possible or likely scenario? Yeah, the Eagles are going to be bad. Probably. Yeah, I, I like it. Late round pick again, because I don't want to give anything of value. Speaking of the Eagles, real quick, did you see Andre Dillard's rep that he put out? I believe it was today. If it wasn't today, it was yesterday. Um, No. All right. Bef- we'll go into break, but wa- try to find that rep, because it's one okay. of the saddest things I've ever seen, and especially because he was a first-round pick just a few <laughs> years ago. It is, it's, it's quite something. All right. We'll get to that, and we'll see if we have time for any of my uh, my top eight fictional elephants, too. It's the Nightcap. Jody Biasi, Brendan Keeney here on WGR. I'm not really sure who said it when it first came out as far as comparing Josh to Cam Newton, but as far as the physical nature, how towering of a prospect he was, both guys 6'5", 6'6", rocket for arms, but just big athletes that you really want to mold as far as their overall game around. There is Jordan Reed from the Draft Network on – the Newton-Allen comparisons from when Allen entered the league. I think Allen has blown by Cam Newton in terms of his ability as a passer. Newton still has the same mechanical issues that he had when he came into the league. Um, Allen fixed them in two years, really one off season. Um, so I don't like that. All right, uh, Matthew Judon. We said he was wearing number nine, and he had a big play in the preseason game, big addition for the Patriots on defense this offseason. He left the game injured. Now they're showing him on TV leaving the blue tent, uh, the blue medical tent, kind of walking off in his own power. He looked okay, who knows. Um, but just uh, one guy in the AFC to keep an eye on. Fitzpatrick made an insane pass on the first drive to Logan Thomas, and we're off and running. Preseason football tomorrow night at this time. We'll be watching the Bills and the Lions. You'll be able to hear it here on WGR with coverage starting, well, really with Chopin the Bulldog at 3 o'clock. I'll be doing halftime and postgame. Um, I'm low-key excited, Joe. I'm low-key low key excited. So you need I, just, low I, key. Want, I can't wait to see the Buffalo Bills play a game, even if it is meaningless against perhaps the worst team in the NFL, aside from the Texans and none of the starters are going to be playing. You know who I want to see a lot of tomorrow that I'm not sure we will see a lot of, but I'm still hopeful? Christian Wade. Sure, absolutely. Today, they changed the rules on him a little bit. Yeah, explain that. So, before, the Bills basically had to make a call on him at the end of training camp. Look at Fitz just dealing, by the way, out there. (laughs) That guy. They're going to the playoffs. Anyways, Christian Wade, last year and the year before, it was, all right, he either makes the team out of training camp or he's exempt for the season. And you can't take him off. So once he's on the practice squad with that exemption, he has to stay there all year. This year they changed it so that they can still have him be an additional practice squad member with the exempt status for being an international guy. But if they have running back injuries like at week nine and they need a guy 
and they feel like he's up to speed enough with the sport to be able to come in and play, they can pull him off that exemption midseason, and they can sign him. I don't think he can go back on the exemption once they do that, right. but at least they would now have the opportunity to bring him onto the active roster midseason, even when putting him on that exempt uh, status at the, at the end of training camp. Cool. He's fast, man. Cool, cool, cool. He's a great athlete. He's a great athlete. He had, I looked back in his last preseason, 139 yards and a touchdown on 12 touches. Over 10 yards a touch. I mean, the the after the yards after catchability with this guy is just unparalleled on this team, maybe. But, again, you just don't know if he knows how to play football enough to be able to do it. <laughs> That's kind of why I'd like, this is like, this is what preseason's for, or yeah. should be for. Guys like that, this is a very extreme case of this. But a guy that needs the reps, that has potential, that is also not young, by the way, because of his years playing rugby. Right. So it's like, you know, especially as a running back, I know he doesn't have the wear and tear of a normal running back. He's 30 years old. Like, if he's ever going to make the league for you, he's ever going to make your team, let's get going a little bit on that, right? So I want to see more from Christian Wade. This is the, and you know what? For fans, like, it's who we, who we want to see tomorrow. Where it's gonna be fun to see Trubisky for a little bit. It'll keep my eyes on the TV if he's yeah, getting touches. Absolutely. All right, that's gonna do it for us tonight on the nightcap, and that's gonna do it for us on the No the Elephant Rundown? No, actually, you know what I'm gonna do? Head over to Lockdown Sabres if you want uh, if you want that. Wow. There's nothing going on. <laughs> I mean, that might be our entire podcast. We'll probably mention the Robin Leonard comments. Uh also maybe a word on Sam Reinhardt's extension with the Panthers. And, yeah, we're, we'll rank elephants because it's August 12th, and who wants to be talking and listening about the Sabres right now? Nobody. Nobody. All right. I'll talk to you tomorrow on the Halftime Show, and we'll talk to you on Monday here on the Nightcap on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.